Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Jonna Emil, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Suzanne Miyamoto, CEO of the American Academy of Nursing. Suzanne has developed a strong reputation as a leader with policy expertise, having previously served as Chief Policy Officer of the American Association of Colleges of Nursing. She's also worked with the National Institutes of Health, the Joint Commission's Nursing Advisory Council, and the Nursing Community Coalition. Also, she teaches policy to nursing students at Georgetown University. She was a 2014 Executive Nurse Fellow at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and was inducted as a Fellow of the American Academy of Nursing in 2015. Thank you so much for being with us today. That was a lot. <laughs> well, thank you, Jenna. I appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure to um, have the opportunity to be with you all and share a little bit about the insights of what's happening. I'd love to hear it. Can you first just get us started by just telling us a little bit about your background and what led your interest to healthcare? So I'm originally from Michigan. Um, my family owned a small manufacturing business, so I wasn't really exposed to healthcare per se. I remember filing blueprints of, you know, machine parts. Um, and so I didn't really have um, that lens of going into to healthcare. I wasn't really sure growing up exactly what I wanted to do. But in high school, they had an opportunity for me to be part of a volunteer at a hospital. And so I delivered flowers to different patient rooms and I got to interact with individuals and families and there was just this connection that you started to feel being around people and I really saw the appreciation for healing and even just those small moments of humanity of sharing you know delivering the flowers or saying good morning or giving that opportunity to make that personal connection I wanted to explore it further and my aunts, I have two aunts that actually were in the nursing field, but I just, you know, I never really asked too much about their career until I had that experience going into the hospital. That's awesome. I actually, I have an aunt, I want to say second or third, it's, it's like the, the once removed who also was a nurse. I recently found that out and it's always really exciting to, to find out you've got a family member who's also in the field as well. Absolutely. So I want to talk to you a little bit about policy. So nursing leadership in particular is, is really, I would say, the, the cherry on top of my nursing pie. And so I'm really interested about, you know, how you went from Working as a registered nurse, and I think about like just your early years working as an RN bedside and what we think about is just like that patient centered care and, and the workforce of what we do to policy. I'm curious what that journey looked like for you. Yeah, it, and it's different for each nurse, right? How they kind of make their path. And the first position that I had after graduating from nursing school was actually in Detroit and I worked in postpartum. I graduated from nursing school at a time where new grads could be hired into any unit because there was such a demand for nurses. And I just remember um, going into patients' rooms and using the translator phone, something that I hadn't done, you know, in nursing school per se. And I just began to wonder how could care be done 
delivered differently? You know, are there better ways to connect with patients where English isn't their first language? And while I was still young in my career, I was interested in health quality and health equity before I even knew the words or the frame to really put around it, because you just started to be inquisitive. You know, you're taught to think about, you know, how does this impact the family? How does it impact the patient? Yeah. And so what led me, uh, some of these questions I had to um, graduate school. And in graduate school, I worked on a research project that supported women with anorexia and bulimia. And I began to further question about mental health services and how we were providing mental health care and were we looking at the whole person? Is there a better way to do it? It all coalesced around system level reform and that outlet for me could be policy and really looking at it from an institutional level or on up to the national level. And there was a, um, an actual lobbyist who had worked on Capitol Hill had worked in the Clinton administration and was talking about some of the work that she did. And I just remember running up to her after the end of class saying, I want to do what you do. How do I get there? And so it just kind of came all together. That's awesome. So with the guests that we've had coming through Raise the Line, one of the themes that is popping up a lot is healthcare leader and policy. Like those two things seem to be coming up a lot. And quite honestly, even when I just reflect on, you know, the work of the registered nurse, so much of what we do really is about, you know, being the leader at the bedside and trying to implement changes and implement new ideas and better practices, right? And sometimes that's very difficult to do, right? We have it in our head, but to your point, you know, running after her at the class, it's like, how do I, how do I get there? But I'm wondering, Because still, right, if I think about nursing academia, there's not, in my opinion, a ton of focus on this policy piece that seems to be just as important as it is to know clinical skills. So I'm curious, where do you see nursing fitting into that picture of population health and health equity? How do we play a role in that? And how do we prepare ourselves to do it? Well, you know, I think that is an incredible question, and thank you for putting that frame around it, that, you know, it's not just us clinically being at the bedside, um, because nurses are front and center. What we learn and what we discover from addressing population health and health equity is that time with the patients, the families, the community. And then when we engage, we're engaging in their environments, and then we're closely collaborating with that interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary team. And so when nurses are in these roles, and in whether it be in the acute care setting or out in the community, working in public health, we see the challenges and the barriers to achieving our goal of health equity. And I think we have to understand, too, as we're going through the process of trying to support individuals in the community, individuals and their families, um, and then populations, we have to also understand and learn along with them some of the conscious and unconscious biases that we may have bringing to our care. And I think, you know, as there has been in the past, and even more so now, it's that honor 
and owning our responsibility of what it means to be a nurse and how that care impacts the individual, the family, and the patient. It's like the idea of, you know, precision health, you know, it really thinking about how precise we can be in offering care to that unique individual. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so proud to be at the American Academy of Nursing, our mission is to improve health equity by impacting policy through nursing leadership, innovation, and science. And that is really where it comes together of all of those pieces of where nurses are leading in the community, where they're inventing new ways of care model designs, um, and then our research. And to that, the Academy sent a vision of healthy lives for all people. So I see nurses right front and center in those discussions, in that impact. But as you said, there's challenges and barriers to figuring out how we we are front and center in all of that. Yeah. What do you think about those challenges and barriers? So one of the things I think about education, right? When my grad program, for instance, I had a you know leadership track that was a purposeful thing to try to learn those skills and see like how I could, how could I show up and you know show out for the community that needs me. But what does that look like for you as far as the, the nurse who's thinking about like I would do want to show up and I, I want to overcome these barriers and these policies, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to start. Do I get a mentor? Do I take a class? Do I join a board? How do I do that? It's a really interesting question. And I think a couple of pieces come to mind. One of the things that we know as we go through our nursing careers to whatever track we decide to take is really there's so much gain from experience. And I think everyone makes that assumption that it's from zero to 60, you know, (laughs) very quickly. Um, And that there are so many steps and experiences along the way that give us that background. You know, I remember one of the things that I think is, is a challenge, but also an opportunity for us as a profession is when I was working as a lobbyist and in my role at the American Association of Colleges of Nursing, there were so many voices It was, you know, every single healthcare organization, professional organization, professional society had a voice on the Hill. And how did you make that voice rise above over time? And it really is in coming back to the evidence and personal connections that are paramount. And this is where you just think about nursing as an evidence-based discipline and our personal connections. We are just so poised to be engaged in those opportunities. And I think that, you know, as we know, we have these national representatives, but they want to know what's happening in their communities and they want to know what's happening in their states. And so members of Congress want to hear or leaders want to hear from those nurses that are experiencing back home. And I think one of the most interesting ways to build that voice is in overcoming those multiple voices is finding partnerships the unlikely ones and the likely ones, and they really come together for the most compelling cases. So as nurses are starting to think about when they first, you know, come to how do I make my voice heard, you know, there are those partnerships. Find someone that's doing work in an area that you're focused in on or you're passionate about, you know, 
study your issue, make sure that you have that evidence to go along with that personal connection. And I will say always going back to if it's policy work that the angle or the lens of that individual nurse is striving towards, the national and state organizations are a resource. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a national or state nursing organization. It could be something focused on Alzheimer's, or it could be focused on, you know, another area of disease a nurse may be interested in learning more about. So there's these small steps, right, that we have to remember that are really important and give us so much experiences that build that leadership and that career over time. Yeah, I love that. I love that you mentioned the voice, you know, using your voice and uplifting your voice and and being empowered in that way. And I think that the small steps really sticks with me because oftentimes when we think about, you know, wanting to implement a change, right. And wanting to lead, we think about a big level, right. I'm going to march to DC and I'm going to do this new, new thing, but we do forget that we inform policy and we do implement changes on maybe what we think is small and don't really consider it. Right. And that, that could be like, a bedside nurse who has an idea or who's recognized some type of gap or a problem and brings that up to the manager, right? And says, hey, like, this is what I recognize. And this is what I think that we might be able to do. And I've I've thought about it. And here's a potential solution of how we can meet that. So that's leadership. And I think in that way, sometimes that gets lost, right? That gets lost in the sense of, you know, if you really want to make change, you got to be way up here. But To your point, exactly and beautifully said, change starts really at your feet. I had um, one really incredible nurse once say to me, you are a leader from whatever seat you sit in. It does not matter. It is that being able to, you know, again, going back to that, making your case, having your evidence, and really making those personal connections that are so strong and can carry that voice even when you're not at the table. That's awesome. I agree with that. I often wonder, and it always brings me back to, to nursing academia since I'm in education, but there's there's always just a big part of me that feels like we wait too long in nursing to start to have these conversations about leading and about how we can influence policy in our communities and nationwide. And I, I always wonder, like, what does the world look like when we start to encourage and really fill up nurses with this idea from the beginning, you know, when they're in their pre-licensure program versus waiting until, you know, if you've been in the field for years and years, and maybe you felt like you had this urge or this desire, but you didn't quite know how to step out and do that. My students are tired of me saying this for sure, but I think that when we start to have those conversations really early and empowering those nurses to use their voices, it looks like a very different world to me. Well, and I will tell you, I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't have educators like yourself. I was very fortunate in nursing school to have professors and, you know, PhD chairs that said, Suzanne, just go for it. You know, I always feel blessed that they felt confident and encouraging in what I could do in the future that I always wanted to make sure in my career, I give that back as early as possible because it is paying it forward, if you will, that we don't have to wait forever. There are brilliant ideas and such compassion at any level, at any age, and we have to tap it. Yeah, I agree with that. So we can't ever have a conversation without, of course, bringing up COVID. So I'm curious, you know, in your particular role, 
and, and what you do day to day and what you've seen, what do you feel or, you know, what have you identified of you know, what's COVID revealed about our healthcare system? And are there steps that we can take to strengthen that more specific in nursing? What's nursing's role in what we've seen potentially is broken or has been broke by COVID? You know, there's going to be a day where that isn't the front and center question or part of the conversation, but it is so, (laughs) I am sure, I know we all are, but there's just so many lessons that we're learning and realization of how broken in places are where the system is. And my first thought goes to, you know, essentially our public health infrastructure. I mean, for years, we've been underfunding the public health infrastructure or not building up the resources to have nurses, to have other health professions in the community doing that essential work. I mean, for so many people, they, you know, heard of contract tracing for the first time and, you know, public health nurses are like, well, that is not new. (laughs) You know, there's just so much that I think we're, we're learning. But I think going back to that overall question, we do have structural and resource barriers that have really prevented us from attaining a more equitable system. And the pandemic has really brought to life the inequities across the system and even more front and center. And I think that there is a need and a growing desire to address those. And one of the things that I think is really important in our progress towards addressing them is representation. And I do think we need more more representation at the decision-making tables because we know that no single health professional, no single person that has a finance background or a policy background or are making those decisions have the holistic view or the entire lens of what the problems are. And so I think there needs to be a more conscious focus on considering what voice we have not heard from that will be critical in the success of our work. And ultimately, that creates more buy-in, that creates more consistent messaging, and that creates more trust in the system and the process. And I think what we saw throughout the pandemic was trust ebb and flow because we were getting different messages and it was being shared in different ways. And even within the healthcare community, it was almost that perfect storm of all of these factors converging at once. And so as we look forward, I hope that our leaders and those that are at those decision making continue to think through what voice isn't here, what perspective isn't here to really make sure our decision is the best for the community we're trying to serve. Very good. And not related to COVID, but in that same vein, as you're talking about, you know, representation and and being present, and you've alluded a lot to just nurses being uniquely positioned to meet different needs and to share out ideas and solutions. Even aside from healthcare, would you encourage nurses to like join boards that are not healthcare related, but they can represent the community from a different perspective? Is that helpful, do you feel like, in leadership and developing those skills? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more because I think, you know, one of the really important perspectives is the lens of it takes a full team. It is so many voices and nurses have expertise 
beyond, you know, their clinical day-to-day or their work day-to-day. And more and more, we see boards looking for those diverse perspectives and those diverse lenses. Um, And yes, while there's still some traditional seats, you know, that help make the board move and run, it is important to think about um, how we can incorporate them. So absolutely, seeking out opportunities that are outside of healthcare, because I think we're all enriched with hearing, learning from others. Um, I will say I went to school to become a nurse and yet the majority of my career I've spent in working in policy. And so if I hadn't learned from individuals that were lobbyists, that were analysts, that, you know, were members of Congress and their staff, more importantly, their staff, you know, I wouldn't have had as much of a successful career. So bringing collaboration and partnerships is so important. Learning how to take that passion you have from a communication standpoint, how do you message that into the community that will resonate? I don't necessarily have that expertise as a nurse, but somebody else will. So building those teams for impact brings all voices to the table. That's fantastic. And such a good point there. I feel like all knowledge that we can get from others and, and, you know, we talk about interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary, but even outside of healthcare, it's invaluable. That's a fantastic point. So, you know, we're a teaching company, right? And we love to fill knowledge gaps. I'm curious if there's any topic that you'd like to educate us on that you think that everyone ought to know. That is a really great question. And one of the things, as you know, about our profession, it is incredibly enriching and flexible. And there's so many opportunities for individuals um, to move down. And I think that one of the things that we've seen over the course of the pandemic is really the importance of individuals that have seen what this disease has brought, how it has impacted communities, how it has impacted families. But going back to that piece that I mentioned earlier about public health, public health is such a core critical function within our country and around the globe. And I think hearing more about that infrastructure and how we deploy our efforts, you know, I think about Rear Admiral um, Susan Orsega, who is the Acting Surgeon General. I mean, hearing her lens on what it has been, and she's been deployed for Ebola, you know, in Africa, and she has worked through some of the natural disasters. So how do we take that additional lens of the public health and policy infrastructure would be, I think, really exciting for people to learn more about and understand why they're in uniform and where their work lands. Yeah, you know what? I agree with that. That would be fantastic. I think we're going to have to bring that back to the team. (laughs) Now, for any students in particular, I'm thinking about any nursing students or even a registered nurse who's practicing right now, and is listening to this podcast right now and really wants to meet the moment where they are in their career, whether it's a challenge that they're experiencing, that they have an idea to overcome, or if they just really are thinking about utilizing their voice to implement some type of change. But in this moment, they're thinking, no, 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 I can't, I can't do it. This is not going to matter. This is not my role. What would you say to them? Why not? If not now, why not? When you ask that question, I reflect on my, you know, 22-year-old self thinking, how did I just decide I'm going to move out to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to, you know, it's a couple of years later, but what, I literally packed up a U-Haul and drove out to Washington, D.C. and started working, you know, and just 
said, I'm going to find a job. I don't, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to find a job. Now there was a lot, a lot of barriers and challenges throughout that process, but it, you know, if not now, when, right? And I think, you know, as we go through this process and just give ourselves that confidence and that encouragement, one of the things that I reflect on too, and we just recently, one of our staff, we have a staff meeting each week and we bring quotes for inspiration to the team meeting. And the one from last week that I think helps in this moment too is about we are all leaders in our own right, in our own way, and we have to find our own confidence and our own voice and our own stride. And oftentimes we think to ourselves, well, I'm, I haven't reached that, that piece or that pinnacle, and I haven't received this credential yet. Um, and we think about how we can find our right mentors that help us get beyond those um, preconceived notions we have for ourselves. You know, it's not just the stereotypes others may have of us, but the stereotypes we have of ourselves um, that can be barriers. And I, I don't have the exact quote on that, but that was Shirley Chisholm, Representative Shirley Chisholm, that talked about recognizing not only your um, those stereotypes of others, but those of ourselves. But the one quote that that resonated as I think about looking for mentors and looking for individuals was from Maya Angelou, and she said. Um, Basically, I've learned that people forget what you said, people forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I've had so many great mentors, but I know that those leaders made me feel that I could take on the biggest challenge and drive for change. And I think you have to surround yourself with people that say, go do it. Open your lens, open your voice, and those individuals are the ones that are truly authentic and compassionate and grace. They give grace and they're intelligent. And I think that's in this day and age where we have so much barriers pressing down on us, find the people that give you that light and bring it back to the world. That was beautifully said. I am feeling more energized about nursing than I did when I woke up this morning now after talking <laughs> to you. That was fantastic, beautifully said, and I absolutely agree with that. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for being with us today. This is great. No, it was my pleasure, and thank you for your time. I wish you the best of luck in your career, and please keep mentoring those students to <laughs> be authentic and find their light. Absolutely. We need them. Thank you so much. I'm Jonna Emil. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>